This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Buffalonian Division of the Cast Horse Podcast Network, a podcast network built by Buffalonians for Buffalonians, featuring the Wings of Blue Cheese Podcast and the Buffalonian Podcast, with more shows on the way very soon. Find these shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or simply visit our website posted in the episode description. Now, without further ado, let's get into the Bills, Sabres, Hot Takes, and more. The Buffalonian Podcast. All right. Let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Dom Lawson. Dom, coming off of a rough loss over across the pond, unfortunately. Um, the Bills dropped to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They dropped 25 to 20. Um, you know, it's not a good look necessarily. We saw a lot of defensive players get injured, um, you know, especially some big ones. But I guess, like, just general thoughts before we really get into it here. Um what are your what are you thinking after after last week? Is it an overreaction? Like um a lot of people are overreacting, I think, but is it something that's like warranted after that? Like with just the injuries we've seen? Um, well, I, I think first things first, I think uh I don't need the Bills to ever play in London uh ever again. I don't need the Bills to play in Germany or anywhere in Europe. Mexico is on limits. You know, they could go then Mexico if they want to play in Mexico, if they want to play a game in Toronto, you know, that's no Toronto. Toronto Western is already Hem- done. Western Hemisphere, same ish timeline. Don't have to worry about all this travel crap. Um you know, talked about it last year with the after the Thanksgiving game being Thanksgiving down to Thanksgiving football with the Bills, you know, stressful time with the family. Kind of don't want to see my family and you know, see me in that kind of mood. Uh, London games don't do not feel like uh, waking up at 930 to be stressing over my favorite football team. But to go back to your point, I think. I know we're going to get into the injuries. I think if you were looking at what happened to the Bills on Sunday in a realistic point of view. Their chances to be the number one seed in the AFC have completed. Um, having your second AFC loss to a team that potentially could be finished up there now in Jacksonville. And I think the defense with the injuries they sustained, I think their chances of being the number one seed in the AFC really went down the drain. Um, I think their chances to win the AFC East dwindled a little bit. I think maybe you had to look at it from the perspective of, they, I mean, Miami's dealing with injuries now of A-Chain being out, but maybe now it's a situation where we have to say, hey, they probably may have the second-best odds to win the division now. Do I think that this has impacted their playoff chances? No. no. Do I think this has impacted their chances to win the playoffs? I mean, Super Bowl, excuse me. Yes, but I believe they have a chance to win the Super Bowl still. Like, they still yeah. have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I just think the road to winning the Super Bowl is going to be a lot more difficult in the playoffs now because of the loss plus the injuries that were sustained. But listen, man, I believe the third Super Bowl run, uh, they did not win the division, the Bills. The Miami Dolphins won the division. 
and the Miami Dolphins ended up losing to the Bills in the playoffs. So, yeah. so it could happen. I th- but I think realistically, I think there's a high chance now that they are a wild card team, which is unfortunate to say. But I still think they have a chance to win the division, and so I think there's chances for that. I just I think the top seed in the AFC, I just being a game behind Kansas City now, losing the tiebreaker to Jacksonville. Yeah, I think I know you play Kansas City later in the year, but I think that might be a little more difficult to overcome. No, I would agree with you. I that's early. I I just listen. I'm not pulling for. Of course, I'd love to see them get the one seed. That hasn't been a reality for the past four seasons now. So, I mean, am I hoping? Am I wishing? Sure. Is it the end of the world if they don't? No, we've seen them go to the AFC Championship. We've seen them go in, into the divisional round. Um, you know, not being the one seed. And last year had existential circumstances, which caused that, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. I, I I'm not worried about that. Like you said, they can still win the Super Bowl. That '90s team did it when Miami won the division. You're absolutely right. I listen. But winning the division and winning, you know, being the one seed, you're right. In a competitive AFC East with the Miami Dolphins, they now have a game up on you, right? You're you're behind. And I think at this point, yeah, the Dolphins schedule does get a little tougher as it goes into the season here, but you can't be dropping games like that. Jacksonville is just the kryptonite of for no, the Jacksonville's Bills. Jacksonville's a good team. I mean, you got you to gotta give them credit. I mean, right. I mean, I, Doug Peterson's a great coach. Um, they played a really, they had a great game plan. I mean, I'm not discounting that at all. I'm just saying, like, it was a it was a game where you had opportunities and none of like not many were capitalized on. So like that's the biggest frustration for me. And yeah. injuries. like that's that's the thing. It's like you went out and put out the probably the best game. Josh Allen, we know his pass rating, highest pass rating of his career against the Dolphins, right? And then then you come out and I get it, the travel, right? Everyone's saying the traveling. I I do agree with that to some extent, but I mean, kind of a little bit of a uh, uh, jump off the cliff, you know. Listen, I I think for me, it, it this comes down. There's multiple learning expense, learning experiences for a bunch of people. I mean, the Bills, I think, have learned that if they ever have an international game, that this 48-hour well, plan did not work. They came out incredibly flat. Yeah, uh, I think we're gonna see it as you know you allude to uh, before the pre-show. Uh, oh we yeah, talking about how. Tennessee is doing the same travel schedule as the Bills, but the Ravens are play are, I believe, might might already be in the air. I think they're there. They left yesterday. They went early. In the the, um, Titans, the Titans are coming. Now. Yeah, so we're gonna so, see. Yeah, I guess that that's a that's a good litmus test to see travel. I think the NFL learned that. Yeah, I think it is a little bit of a competitive advantage for Jacksonville, who have been there for two weeks. Um. And it's unfortunate. I think if the NFL were ever to do back-to-back international games for his team, they probably would have. They probably should have. Because I believe the, there was a home game for Jackson. Jacksonville is technically the home team for the Atlanta game. I think they probably, looking back, probably should have switched that and had their away game against the Bills first, and then their home game against Atlanta. Right. So maybe that's a better way to do it. Where if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe that's a better way for the NFL. But the most important thing that anyone could take away from this game is that the National Football League playoffs, the road to the Super Bowl, 
the Super Bowl is not played in London. No, no. That is the most important thing to take away from this is that the playoffs will not be in London. So we don't have to worry about this freaking travel again when it comes time to win the big thing. So as frustrating as this is, the travel it's a one-time is deal. It's a one and done. We're out of here. And so. part of it, I think, is the NFL shooting the Bills in the foot, and it's all the part the Bills shot themselves in the foot with the travel. Both things yeah. can be incredibly true. The great thing right. is the Bills never have to worry about this for the rest of this season, and yeah. they won't have to worry about it when it comes playoff time. But talking right. about the injuries that were sustained, obviously you lost Trey White last week to the torn Achilles. You lose Daquan yeah. Jones. I believe the first drive of the game because he got the third down stop. Yeah, you didn't even see him. Like, if you weren't paying attention that first drive, you wouldn't have noticed, you know? Yeah, Torres Peck, so he's out for three months. They didn't rule him off the year, but he's, I don't know. We'll see. And then Matt Milano uh, suffered an upper leg fracture. It seems like his knee ligaments are intact for now. I mean, they haven't announced anything that would say otherwise, so... I feel like if his knee ligaments were screwed up, they would have, have announced it already. So, um, you know, if you look at those three injuries, it seems to me breaking them of importance. I think the Bills can overcome the Daquan injury uh, with how really the depth of the D-line's been getting Vaughn back. You're going to get Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson back. I think Kingsley Jonathan had a really underrated game. Thought he yeah. was really solid in the snaps he got. AJ obviously had the big game. You still have Ed Oliver. You still have Jordan Phillips. You still have Tim Settle. You still now have Puna Ford, who was a starting caliber one tech for Seattle last year. He was a healthy scratch. Um, I believe three of the four games. I think he's only played one game, if I'm not mistaken. So having yeah. him to be, you know, put him into the lineup uh, for Daquan. Obviously, it's not equal. Daquan is a better player than Tim than uh, Puna Ford, but. Listen, Puna Ford's no scrub. I think um, if Puna Ford was a guy that we literally just signed right now or trade We'd for right happy. now, I think, I think people would be a lot more excited than they are. So um, it's tough to lose Daquan. And then the corners, I think getting Benford back will help. Uh, yep. I think maybe not being as man blitz. I know Elam's a man corner, but it just felt like him and Ridley was a mismatch. And yeah, Dane very Jackson, much, very much so a mismatch. Dane Jackson played like. really well. It was good to see that Taron seemed to be okay. So uh, he had a lot to say I, about the turf after the game too. Did you catch that clip? Yeah, not too happy about that. But no. it, it, did it, you it see it getting rolled out? Like the video the Bills posted, they put it on yeah, social media. It was being grass. rolled out. I'm like, I'm like, it's the it's the thickness of like a tarp. That's what it looks like. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was. Like, it's crazy. It, they there was a grass pitch beneath the stadium i think or cool soccer term use the proper proper english football term there but yeah not you know getting benford back i think will help with that maybe getting you know a little changing up the scheme to help your corners i think um will help briefly before we say milano's injury i talk about milano's absence you know kincaid being concussion protocol and apparently dawson knox dealing with a wrist injury um, I know we'll talk about the offense, but I feel like both those players have been – it's been a poor season, I think, for both those players. Maybe not so much Kincaid, but more Knox. We'll talk about that later. But um, mm-hmm. no player has suffered a concussion and come back within a week. I know Luke Musgrave did it, but he suffered his concussion on Thursday night football, and he played last night in Monday night football. So that's he more had an extended week, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's something to matter with Kincaid. So he, I mean, that he finished the game might be a good sign. I don't know. So that he most likely will probably be out this week. I would assume if he has a concussion. Yeah. Um, well, the NFL takes concussions pretty seriously. So I feel yeah. like, you know, he's probably out. Wrist injury has a better chance of what is, did, did they go into specifics at all? Or is it just, it's just, not nah, just the wrist injury, but yeah. I, I would assume he, he, he suits yeah. up. Um, I mean, because if it's Morris. if Kincaid's not going to play, then you just have Quentin Morris, right? Yeah, they would probably have Knox Morris and probably a little more Reggie Gilliam as a tight end, right? Um, if they had more to. Reggie Gilliam, um, but yeah. So, but talking back to Milano, he's the guy that they just can't replace one for one. Um, he's the guy that really their scheme depended on. They're going to have to change a lot of stuff. Um, Dorian Williams had some flash plays, the pass breakup, a couple nice tackles, but he also had some really rough moments in space. So uh, Terrell Dodson actually had a pretty solid game for yeah. you know my expectations. Um, can he consistently do that? I don't know. So it's going to be interesting who they choose to decide uh, to play in that spot, and it's also going to be interesting to see you know we talking about Balen Specter, who is in line to maybe be a starting linebacker. Um, right, coming back he, from the injury. He, is he a guy that now coming off IR, starting to practice? Is he a guy that's similar to the Terrell Bernard situation? You know, does Dobson Williams struggle enough the next couple of weeks in the Milano role where he comes off IR and it's kind of like, hey, here's your shot right now, and you're going to start right away in that spot. So I think that will be um, that will be interesting to look at. But he's yeah. the Milano is the piece where it's like I don't know how they're going to absorb that, and that's that's why I think this defense drops from being a top elite defense to maybe just a good defense. But a yeah. good defense is good enough to win Super Bowl. So no, yeah, that that's all you need really. And you know, the, the defensive line's solid. You just you gotta fill the void of Milano the best you can. You're not going to but the best you can. And one thing I want to comment on before we get into the 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 usual Dom five here. Um did you see the videos of Dig smashing the tablet that everyone started freaking out about? Yeah, I don't care. I don't either. It's just everyone was like, oh, he's, he's unhappy. No, he – it was just the interception play where he got the ball ripped out of his hand, and he said it was on him, and he was frustrated. Human being shows frustration, unfortunately, cannot do that. Or the media – I thought, I thought it was – I mean, I might be wrong. I thought it was after the big pass completion from 48 yards. I might be wrong. I, I could be fully wrong. Oh, see, I, I thought, thought it was – I thought it was thought when it was he got, in the game. I might be got wrong. the ball yanked like out of his hand on that that deep interception, you know? Yeah, I don't know. He was, but... he was frustrated about that because he said it was on him. But um, still, mm-hmm. it's not even – we're even paying mind to it, but it, it, it's really on the pay no mind list because it's just an athlete being an athlete. So what do you say we get into the, the Dom 5? Because on yes, a better sir. note, we have something good to focus on, which is the Sabre season starting. So yeah. we can Dom lose the last so uh, no graphics this week, unfortunately. Our producer is out sick. Mooch hopefully he feels better, which is why we're uh, doing this online. But uh, for the Dom 5, so the first thing I'll say is I believe it, w- it was a gutty effort from the defense. You know, yeah. losing Daquan out your two starting corners, losing your probably your best player overall on the defense in Matt Milano. They really held strong. Obviously, had some big plays. The strip sack by Epinesa at the end of the game, at the end of the first half, excuse me. And then I believe it was Ed Oliver who stripped uh, Trevor Lawrence again when they were in field goal range. It was a 
just a, a, a situation where I thought the Bills just kind of defense wore down, unfortunately, at the end of the game. They, they, they did get at least one more stop, but it was just kind of one stop too late. Uh, situation yeah. was unfortunate. Uh, didn't love the cover zero look. Micah Hyde's a good cover safety, so I don't – that was a little – he's also an ex-nickel corner, so it wasn't – I just don't – I just didn't like that in third and four. They just – I didn't feel like they needed to bring the house. I just think they they could have brought, like, one person. Yeah. And kind of just – maybe they played man, but I thought that was poor. Uh, that was the one poor play call I thought Moderna had. I thought they blitzed a little too much. I think they over-exaggerated maybe a little bit. And then, obviously, I, you know – Gutty after from the defense, I will say about the defense is that I talked about it in the pregame on Friday. I'm betting on the Bills, how athletic Trevor Lawrence is. And you saw it. The one, the one poor thing, and also at ETN too, the Bills need to become a better tackling team. Um, yeah. That really, ca- it really, I hate that. It's, a, glare, it's one, a glaring fault. Like you could, we'll you ta- could see right through it. We'll talk about a certain player coming up, but so gutty from this defense. But they had so many opportunities to get Lawrence down on a sack, yep. get ETN down, it, just a little just bit, a, a lot of missed tackles that I think were yeah. really un, un, unfortunate. But uh, going to the number two of the down five, I'm all out of sorts because usually Mooch pulls up the graphic and I'm all, but whatever. Number two, <laughs> no league humbles you faster than the National Football League. Right, we saw um, it last week in the opposing effect. Dolphins put up 70 points, and, yeah, and they get happened, humbled by the Bills. It happens to everyone. It yeah. feels like you, once you get high, a low hits. And, I mean, you can make an argument that fantasy football is also like that. So, uh, you know, the NFL, man, it's 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 a league that gives you the highest of highs and then immediately follows of one of the lowest of lows. So Humbles both players, coaches, and fans. All alike. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it, it's how you it's how you respond to those highs and lows, those valleys. How how do you respond as a team, as an organization? And uh, well, the Bills have four years of ev- more a lot of evidence actually of the McDermott era of being able to do that successfully. So I, I have faith. Uh, number three, the slappiness on offense must end. Yeah. Um, got to dial it in. I didn't. It's weird. So Allen got graded by PFF as a 91.5, which is an elite grade. I think it was the third highest quarterback grade of the day of the week, I should say. Um, And he was positive. He was like seventh, I think, in EPA per play, total EPA, I should say. Um, So he it wasn't his fault. I didn't think it was. It was weird. He gets graded out elite. I didn't think it was an elite day from Allen. Like I thought. There he put up a lot of game. yards. I mean, that was really it, you know. Well, I think I think he could have played. I think it was like a high B kind of game, but um, it just comes down to, I think the play calling was a little iffy. I think the offensive line was disappointing for me because this is a Jags team that I don't think is the most talented defensive line you've played. Right. Um. So I, I Washington, think that was, Washington's it, is arguably more talented. Well, it is. Josh, James Cook had a really frustrating day. Obviously, you know, had a couple of drops. Gabe Davis had a pretty good day, but had that one drop that kind of killed the one drive. Uh, Dawson Knox has the one drop on third down. No, it's a tough catch, but you got to make that catch. Uh, Diggs gets mossed on the big play. That could have really swung the game. Um, it was just a, a lot of penalties. I think what Saibo yeah. got called for two holdings. I think Dawkins got called for one. McGovern got card, called for one. A lot of penalties. Uh, I think Offense, there was an offensive pass interference. 
uh, which was a suspect call, but that took a touchdown off the board, and then they really got it right back. Yeah. Um, but it, it was just like, I feel like you got a pretty good game from Allen, and I think the play calling was poor from Dorsey. I also think, for whatever reason, the Bills playmakers, I just didn't think they had a good day in space. Like, I think they, were, they didn't break a lot of tackles. Credit to the Jags' defense, but it was kind of like the Jazz kind of had similar opportunities. The Jazz skills players, it, feel, it felt like consistently made the first Bills defender miss, and it felt like the opposite for the Bills. I don't know if that was just they retired or whatever or what that was, but it felt like Jags skills players were able to make the first Bills defender miss, and it felt like the Jags defenders one-on-one first defender was able to get the Bills skills position players to the ground. Uh, and then my one more thing on this defense, this offense is, you know, Davis and Diggs had good games. Um, they had to find out who the number three option is on this team. Uh, I think I as much as I want it to be Dalton Kincaid or Dalton Knox, I really think it's Deontay Hardy. Like this guy, I agree with that. Yeah. I think he saw him cook that guy on the out route. I think he's been really good with the ball in his hands, especially even Green on these deeper routes thing as well. Yeah. I think he's. I think they. I think he needs to start getting more playing time because if you look at yards per route run, I believe he's tied for second on the team with Davis. I want to say or something like that. So right. he's at like one point eight five, which is a pretty good number. So he. I think he needs to run more real routes uh, and be a more of a weapon. And then also, I think they just need to use Kincaid um, a little more over the middle. But I will say this with Kincaid is like the stats show that like he runs. Everyone's talking about Sam Laporta and all that. Dalton Kincaid's average depth of route is higher than Sam Laporta. They're just not using, they're just not targeting him. So I don't know yeah, if that's they're not throwing the ball his way. Or that's, a, I don't know what that is, but they're, they're just not throwing him the ball. So I don't think it's more, I think that could be fixed out. But my number four thing, I wanted to avoid talking to there because my number four thing is uh, Knox is a no show. Um, 11 catches for 75 yards and a touchdown this season through five games. And we're paying this guy a $50 million contract. I mean, right. I think it's fair to say that this guy has the worst contract on the team of guys that are healthy. Like obviously the Trey contract with the injuries he suffered and Von tearing his ACL. And that's a pretty big contract for dudes that have been healthy, majority health healthy. He is the worst contract on the team by a significant margin. Um, it stinks too. Cause I mean, like he's shown promise before he got the contract. Um, you know, that was in Dable's system, so you don't know what's going on there. He dropped a big pass, like you mentioned. He, it's a tough catch, but he should have had it. I mean, I he, I don't know. It's kind of just kind of a bro moment at the end of the day because you are paying him so much money. You're paying him top tight end in the NFL money, and unfortunately, it has not panned out. And I love Dawson Knox. I want nothing but the best for him. But at the same time, you got to start utilizing him more and making that contract worth it, and he's got to be – reciprocating on his end too you know i just think yeah i mean he has his most catches in the game is three his most yards in the game is 25 and he has one touchdown it's just it's his contract he's just not producing straight up and i i don't know what they fully do with his contract i don't know how they could get out of it but i mean it is it is he is having a brutal season with a capital b uh and i I, again this is a guy that last year we're talking about how underutilized he was and then he got on that run at the end of the year and you're like okay here he comes and this year i don't know I don't, I don't know what they do to help him but my fifth 
my final of the Dom five. Final of the Dom five. Elam doesn't help himself. You know, we talk about how McDermott preaches opportunity. There was an opportunity for Kyrie Elam to yeah. take over a starting spot to show up. And he got cooked on multiple routes by Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley, really good player. Like, there's no super shame yes. in that. But it wasn't like it was tight coverage on some of them. Like, some of them, he just wasn't even on the TV screen. I thought on runs tackling, he was terrible. Yeah. Um, Dane Jackson, who's a smaller guy, I think, than he is, looked like he was more willing to put his nose in. The, like, the, it's just overall... A, hor- a horrendous day at the office for Kyrie and it just shows why he was. I mean, that performance right there should show every Bills fan why he was a healthy scratch. Right, I 100% agree with you. I mean, we've seen Benford play better. We've seen Dane Jackson play better. You and I didn't even have Elam on the list start when we were first taking bets on what what guy was going to start at the position, right? I said Jackson just off familiarity. You said Benford, and it ended up coming true. And Benford's a later round pick in the same draft, and it, he's he's been exponentially better. Right? He's produced more. He tackles better. He covers better. Elam looked like a twelve year old playing against his dad. Like that's what it looked like out there, unfortunately. And yeah, you're right. Calvin Ridley is a great player. The, there's no question about it. He's one of the best wide receivers out there. And Jacksonville got him for that reason to give them that extra edge as well, even though he didn't he didn't play last year because of the gambling stuff, right? But still, I wouldn't trust Elam to cover a, a, a telephone pole that's just sitting in the ground. You know what I mean? Like I really wouldn't. Like where the other guys, I know they can step in and kind of fill that void of Trey White rupturing his Achilles. Like Elam, though, I think is your third string guy. You're right. He muffed on the opportunity to go out there and show what he's made of uh, really muffed on it. And, you know, he's been lackluster. I listen, I love giving guys the benefit of the doubt. Right. But all that season, he had the opportunity as well with Trey white injured and we didn't see anything exponentially crazy from him either. And Benford was injured all last season as well. So you really had an opportunity to solidify yourself and he didn't, and he's continuing not to. So I yeah. wouldn't be expecting anything special from him, unfortunately. And then, you know, my not bonus take, but I, but <laughs> a sixth you know, before, of the top before, five. Before we move on to the Sabres, I will say, um, special teams is a thing the Bills invest in, and it is pathetic that every time that they, I don't remember the last time they had a really great punt return. I don't. They had that one Damien Harris kickoff return, but the the multiple block uh, unnecessary roughness on Tyler Medikevich is. You know, you're on the team for one thing, and you have a 15 yard penalty. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Just when the penalties came to when they were about to get off the field. Finally, like, oh, we're stopping them. Nope. Yeah. Get a penalty. Well, no. well, it, it didn't. It just pushed them back and gave the a struggling offense poor field position. Um, the onside kick was brilliantly done by TB. Like that was a great onside kick. That's exactly what you want. Uh, it's just. It's a little unfortunate because Gabe Davis, who's the outside man, is taught that, hey, like you need to cut into the field to take out Evan Ingram, who the who is the, the that guy who jumped. You need to take him out. Yeah. It's unfortunate because the onside kick was so good it bounced over his head. Um, and if, if Davis it didn't, was on the other side of him, but, but if it didn't bounce over his head, 
I think two things really. If it didn't, if Gabe Davis just kept running straight, I think he has a real chance to like get the ball, like just in in stride. Also, um, if the ball is actually a little bit lower, I think Gabe Davis has a real opportunity to knock the ball free. Like it would have been in Evan Ingram's fingertips, and he would have had a chance to like put it. I mean, Gabe Davis didn't want really him tackling, but he would have been able to hit. Evan Ingram, I think it would have drawn the bar for the ball free, and you would have had a fumble situation. It's just kind of unfortunate how that how that a little bit played out. Yeah, um, and then hey, but look at T Bass knows how to kick the onside. That was kick. a good onside. Kick. My final thing about the special teams is that was a brutal decision to field that punt at the end of the game. You cannot field that punt if you go all out for a block. The only reason why I love Hardy, I, I just vouched for him, but the only reason why you're back there is because you don't want a, a team just pooch punting it over. To the, like 20 yards on the field and just waiting to down the ball and wasting the time off. You have got to, you can't field that ball inside your five. You have to let the ball hopefully let you cost. I mean, there's potential where that could have gone touchback. You muff it, which is terrible because you almost didn't even get your chance at offense, and then you kick it out of the five. You lost 15 yards of field position when you potentially could have had it at the 20. And as I was alluding to with my family, when the Jacks were punting, all they needed to do was be around midfield with the ball with one second left. Yeah. That's all the ball snapped with one second left around midfield. That's all they needed to do. Because if they would have got there, they would have had a Hail Mary opportunity. Unfortunately, we can't have nice things. But no, that is my I, final thing. You know, you have a quarterback who can throw it 50 plus yards with the flick of a wrist. And yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't yeah. do that. So, fortunately, but moving on. I mean, it's a tough loss at the end of the day. It is, right? Technically, it's a home loss, too, because we're the, we're the home team. Um, but at the end of the day, move on to the next week. Next man up mentality. The Bills are still going to play. They play the Giants. Stable comes back in prime time. Um, that's going to be a great game to watch. We'll talk more about that and other games later this week on betting on the Bills. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, but we do have one thing also before we move to the Sabres. We, we did our little experiment like Roger Goodell did. Um, you know, I didn't drink Buffalo Pepsi last week. We said if the Bills lost, we'd have to go back to doing that. So every Friday now, I have to make myself a Buffalo Pepsi and drink it. And I also have to drink it because I took the Vikings as my mortal lock over the uh, the Chiefs. It almost happened. It almost did happen, but did not. So Buffalo Pepsi Day on Friday. We're getting the juju back in the Bills. Uh, we're going for the dub there. But it's there's a team that's starting. Boy, oh boy, is it exciting! I cannot wait for this season to start. It's going to be fantastic to just be back in KeyBank. I went for a preseason game last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. Just being back in that environment, it was busy in there too. There's a lot going on, so. Without further ado, the Sabers. Who do they play in their first game, Don? They play the uh, they play the Rangers, the New York Rangers, in their first game. Yeah, and they released their starting lines. So, what do you say we break it down? Anything before else? We break get in, before, before we before? break into the lines. Okay, hang on. Let me let me cut the saber dance. Okay, we don't want that drone in underneath the whole time. There we go. Yeah, that would be kind <laughs> of annoying. <cool. laughs> the news of the Darlene extension dropped. Thanks. Yes, God. That they at least have one of their two extensions between either Power or him done. 
Yeah, that and he plugged it. our podcast too. He said Buffalonian in his speech. Yeah. <laughs> it ends up being eight years, eighty-eight million dollars. I think when you look at it blindly, eleven million dollars seems a little high, but the cap is going to go up. Yep. So I think it's going to work out. The most important number is eight, which is eight years. Of uh, eight point. years of the rat of Rasmus, it sticks around. Yeah. So, and he's going to be, I think that gets him through his twenties. So, yeah. really taking his prime years under contract. Um, it's also a situation. This he wasn't going to take a hometown discount. This isn't going to be like an eight-year, nine million dollar contract. Um, no. This is a situation where the Sabers bridged him, and the player has a lot of leverage once you he he shows up after getting bridged. So, yep. Um, this isn't a situation where it was. Well, I guess Tate generally got bridged, but Tate only had one. They got they got good on that contract, and then Cousins was coming off his ELC, uh, so he wasn't bridged. So they were able to get those contracts really done before both of them really really broke out. Um, Dalene unfortunately is already broken out by the time you had to negotiate his contract, and again has all the leverage because of the bridge. But it's a good contract. It's a it's a player that deserves to be the highest paid player on the team. Um, and is a guy that I think broke out to be a top five defenseman in the entire National Hockey League. And I think this is a year where he's going to take another jump where I think he's, I think this is a year where he could be a, a, a Norris finalist and potentially even win Nor- the Norris as the top defenseman in the entire league. So uh, happy that two six is in uh, the blue and gold for the foreseeable future. And I think just my one man's opinion next year, he will be donning the C. Oh yeah, I, I listen. I think it'll be Darlene C. Tuck with an A. I don't know who else would have the A at that point. Maybe, maybe, maybe Gergensen's if he's still here. But if yeah. if Gerg's still here, he'd probably keep it. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. And Norris, he he's he's my pick to win it. Honestly, he's my favorite. Um, to have a guy like that who bleeds the community, as you like to say about me, you know, the slice me open. I bleed the community. Um, you know, he's, he wants to be here. He said his brother wants to move here. Like it, it, this is a guy you want around on your team. Who's been there through the, the worst of the worst, right. Who's been there for the horrible years. And now he's showing out and growing with a growing team and he's proving his leadership on the defense. And he's still, that absolutely nasty defenseman who's not afraid to just get rough and rowdy out on the ice. And I am, I, I love it. I'm so happy he's here for eight more years. It's going to be yeah. exciting. I, I just, I just hope this is the year we finally get some superstar calls because he gets a lot of penalties, like weak penalty calls. And yeah, I feel like if he was, a, you know, respected a little bit more by the rest, he wouldn't. That's what well, the one negative in the game. But yeah, listen, this guy is the best offensive defenseman on the team. And I think you could even make the case he's the best defensive defenseman on the team. Like I would agree with that way. 100%. Like, I think he's the best on both sides. You know, we all love Samuelson, but I think sometimes he gets a little overvalued. He's a defensive defenseman. But I think Dallin's just the best of both worlds. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's he's. If he's, you didn't pay him and you ended up losing him, you would never. Well, they were never going to lose him because he's an, R, he's an RFA after his contract is up. But, right. No, but what I'm couldn't. saying is you, you wouldn't be able to replace that, you know. Oh, it's like a Milano I mean, situation. Like, they – they needed to get this done. Yeah. I'm happy that by the skin of their teeth, they get it done. Um, ha- happy that they were able to get this done. Happy that it's eight years. Um, but before we go into lines, what is our point projection for the Sabres this year? How many points do you think the Sabres are going to get? 
Last year, I think I projected them to get 84 points. Yeah. And I believe they got 93 and missed the playoffs by one point. So I would say. I haven't gone to the playoffs. I would say that they will be the second wild card team. I, I have enough. I, I believe enough in the development that they're going to make it. Uh, but I think they're going to get like 97, 98 points. I think they're going to be, I think it's going to be a stressful couple weeks. Uh, in yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a race. Like you're saying down to the, you know, not 2% chance like last season, but we'll have a percentage, a good chunk. Um, that's, I mean, I'm hovering right around 98 points too. I mean, there's no question. You can't get 93 or lower or like last year because you didn't make it with that much. You gotta, you got, you can't drop eight games in a row in November. That's my one word of advice to the Sabres. You can't lose eight in a row in November because if you did it, you would have made the playoffs last year. So, you know, I, I, I'm with you though. I believe in the development. I believe in Granado. I believe in the, you know, um, the whole system as a whole. I, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to make it. I really do. I well, really it also do. comes down to this as well. Tampa is without Vasilevsky for two months. Mm-hmm. The Sabres need to take advantage of that and yes. start off fast. Because yeah. Tampa is going to be coming in the second half of the year then if, with a healthy Vasilevsky. So it, the team is, I know, without Jack Quinn, but the Sabres are majority healthy. You know, there's a lot of teams that may have injuries from the playoff runs and all that. Like, the Sabres need to start off faster this year and not have to worry about a hot second half. So I think right. that's the most important thing. But let's dive deep into these lines. Yes, sir. And uh, and also when we talk about the lines, I think there's a you know we'll talk about some questions after we talk about the lines of we'll determine how the season will go. But oh, yeah. so Jack Quinn is out on IR. They asked y'all just I think they have announced that Matt's of Warrior starting on IR, so that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I mean you had the top line of Skinner, Thompson, Tuck. That was not moving. It's the same. Yeah, best one of the best top lines in hockey. It was interesting if they were going to keep Benson there, but I think. That's just such a known quant, you know, quantity, Joe. Is that this this how good they were? And I don't think you want to break that up. Um, no, you can't break it up. That that trio last year was arguably why you had such a good opportunity to make the run. You know, like they were when they were all on the the ice together. They were firing on all cylinders. The Pistons were pumping. You know, it, it was just that's how you have to have it. And you know, we're seeing different lines though as we go through. I mean, if you're if you're watching on video, you're seeing the graphic we currently have up. Skinner Thompson talked like Dom said on the first line. Paterka Cousins Olafson. The kid line, I mean, is no more because Jack Quinn's ruled out. So, I mean, that's kind of unfortunately where that ends up. But Benson made the third line with middle stat as the center and Greenway as well. So, like, what are your thoughts on that, where Benson ended up, before we continue? Well, I'll say this. With the second line, I think it's nice to see Cousins and Paterka together. They had good chemistry last year. We'll see if Olsen, I mean, if they could carry him. Obviously, right. I don't think that the Sabres felt comfortable putting Middlestad and Olsen back together because they did not have good results last year. So I think they're going to try to have Cousins to see that. Uh, Greenway and Middlestad will see the chemistry they could develop with, with Benson. It looked pretty decent in the, preseason game, the last preseason game. Um, with him making the team, I think it's a shock at first because I think there might have been other prospects like Rosine or Kulik that you thought were even well, Savoy is on IR, so not much him, but I don't think anyone expected really Benson to make the team 
Um, but credit to the Sabres for rewarding a hot player. Then, obviously, the last line of Jurgensen's Krebs opposed was going to be your shutdown line. They had good chemistry, uh, good defensive results last year. But talking about the Ford group, mm-hmm. I think these are the questions. Again, what, we don't know the answer to these questions. Every year you have questions. You don't know the answer until after 82 games. And after 82 games, when you look back at these questions, if they were answered in a positive way to the Sabres, that means they probably had a good season. If it's a bad result, uh, a negative towards the Sabres, it probably meant their season did not go the way as planned. But I think the questions have to be asked are, does the top line continue to cook? Mm-hmm. Does J.J. Paterka build on his world championship you know, run? Does Casey Middlestat build on his second half run? Because it's a, it's similar to, um, it's very similar to Darlene last year. If he had a very good right. second half, but he didn't have a real a full year. What to make of Payne Krebs at the end of the season? Because it's kind of make or break. It feels like if all the prospects coming up, what do they get from Zach Benson? Does Jordan Greenway bounce back? You know he had a up and down run. And I think the biggest question that will be asked at the end of the, right now that we'll know the answer to at the end of the year and will probably have the biggest determination of the, of the Sabres forward group is, did they do enough to, was it smart for the Sabres to just simply run it back with the forward group and not add an external player once Jack Kuhn was ruled out with the Achilles? Um, they kept Olison. That Olsen now is playing. This was a guy that was the 13th forward, a healthy scratch in the stretch run. They obviously, Granado obviously doesn't trust them. Yeah. Was it smart to be like, oh, we're just going to replace Kuhn with Olsen? Or was it a situation we're going to look back at and be, I'm not saying Patrick Kane. Not, this is not like an in for Patrick Kane at all. You, everyone listening knows how dumb I, I, I feel about sure, Patrick Kane. Yeah, I'm making sure that's <laughs> known. But is it a situation where they, should they have went after Thomas Tatar? Should they have went after more of a, a veteran mill six forward is that a situation where them not going after one of those guys is going to cost a team because this team forward wise is weak defensively and it yeah. looked weak in the preseason and it's the preseason it's the preseason, but they didn't add any real defense to the forward group. So I guess we're just going to see their, the high event thing, which I'm not going to complain about because I love high event hockey, but yeah, I, I mean, it makes it more fun to watch, but you're right. There's a sense of like the wins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Sabres are known. This this Granado regime is known for that high energy, high flying offense. And defense does go by the wayside a little bit on that. So you mm-hmm. need to win games, like you said, at the end of the day. And we're going to have to see if that was a good decision or not. I'm going to be honest with you. We don't know, but I, I, I we, don't, we don't know. And it looks like. It's gonna be. In, I mean, it's gonna be interesting. I'm just because that's all we can say. We got to watch a game of. We don't know. Like, we, we don't know regular season hockey. I would say, from what we know from Victor Olson, is that counting on him to be a huge impact player is a stretch, and counting on an 18 year old Zach Benson to be in your starting lineup seems to be an interesting move. That looks it's correct right now, but we'll, again, at the end of the year, we'll be like, should have we'll, done we'll that. See. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's, well, I I, find, I, find, I think the four group is going to be the strength of this team. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be real interesting which players we're going to be hating at the end of the year and which players we're going to be loving. Yeah. I mean, 
I couldn't have put it better myself because Middlestat last year despised him at the beginning of the season, right? At the end of the season, though, he's putting it together. He was he's playing great. I was like, this is the middle stat you want to see all year round. If he continues to play like that as the third line center, come on, that's depth right there. We have a line that's functioning. Like that would be fantastic. It's if they fall on their face that we're gonna be like, okay, yeah, should have gone after a vet. You know what I mean? All that stuff. Yeah, so. and we're gonna see. I mean, the, this is the, yeah. it's a, it's unanswerable questions right now. You don't <laughs> we can't we don't know what's gonna happen in the future. We it's yeah. not like we have a time machine, so we're gonna know by by. April, we will in six months. We will know the answer to those questions. But looking at the defense defense pairings, um, they have Rasmus Dahlin back with Matias Samuelson, kind of as the top pair. Yeah, uh, which is which is solid. Uh, Owen Powers back with Yuki Haru, uh, and then obviously uh, they put Clifton and Johnson together actually. But uh, and then the healthy scratches, Bryson. I, I should mention the healthy scratch offensively for the Sabers is Tyson Yost. I did not say that, but um. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yesterday, I made. I will. I will disclaim these graphics were made yesterday, and this was the most up to date information I had. It's so. all right. It's all. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> we still love the show. Uh, but Bryson making over the team over Stillman. I don't love that. Um, at the end of the day, it's probably not the biggest deal to complain about that, but uh, I think that's kind of annoying. Um, I like the pairs. You know, Darlene and Samuelson have good chemistry. Power yeah. and Yuharu have chemistry. I think Sam. I think Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton will be a really good third pair. Yeah, um, and really improve the depth of the team. Um, yeah, with we were struggling Clifton, with that last year with like Jacob Bryson yeah. and Labushkin. You still like, have you know Ryan I mean? Johnson. You still have Stillman. You still have Clegg back in Rochester too. So you still mm-hmm. have three. I think. I'm not gonna say. No, like they could. Those guys could play bound pair minutes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, you they, could, they, they, they can they can fit into the scheme if you need them to if it comes yeah. down to it. So so the unanswerable questions as with the Ford group is simple. Um does Owen Power take the step next step in the sophomore year? Uh we saw Mo Sider really have a down year his second year after an elite first year. Does Owen Power take that jump? I think he struggled a little bit in the D zone, but I think with the experience he had last year, I think he's gonna be really much improved. Uh, in my opinions, but again, we had to wait and see with that. Uh, and then another big thing was, was it a good decision to stay with Yoki Haru? Because I was pretty much out. I'm still pretty much out. I, I just don't, I'm not a fan of his game and I don't think he's very good, but mm-hmm. was that a mistake? And then the Bills, there's the Bills. I knew I do this every podcast. Every week, every week, every week. Every week. Take a, Sometimes take a shot twice a week. Take a shot at Buffalo Pepsi. Um, But <laughs> the Bills obviously added quantity to their defenses. Like, I think Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton would be good in the third pair and adding Ryan Johnson to your organization as well. With more of the Yoki Haru presence, was it a mistake for them not to add a significant, like a top four piece to pair of power uh, instead of just adding the two bottom pair defenses? We'll see. And then I guess my fourth question will be, I think the X factor is Ryan Johnson, who's currently in the AHL. Injuries are going to happen. I have another question. But the injuries are going to happen. Does he make an impact on this team this year? And then is this a situation where kind of like Matias Samuelson a couple of years ago where injuries happen, 
he comes up and plays and he plays himself into the lineup where you can't, when the guy comes back from health, getting injured, he can't find himself back in. I think yeah. that'll be interesting. And then my final thing is this, is this the year Matias Samuelson plays 82 games majority of the season. Every year he plays like 50 games and is banged up, bleeding, leaking oil to the finish line. Is this the year? I know it's kind of like <laughs> the style of play he plays, but is this the year where he plays gets stays healthy because they really need him to because again we I talked about it Ryan Johnson even Bryson Riley Stillman Cal Clegg they can play bottom pyramids and stretches but if you lose Samuelson I don't want to see Eric Johnson playing top four minutes I don't want to see Jacob Bryson playing top four minutes like that's where they get in trouble they really need the big three of Power, Darlene, and Samuelson to stay healthy throughout. I trust Power and Darlene to do that. We have not seen from Samuelson in his career, and they need him to stay healthy. Right. No, I agree with you. I. It's just, again, I think we just have to say it's going to be interesting because you're right. We don't have the time machine. We don't know what's going to happen, right? I do like the pairings. I think it's a lot more depth than we had last year like we talked about. I just listen, it's going to be a wait and see kind of a game. Am I hoping all that you're saying is absolutely true? Absolutely. And do I know? No, I have no idea. So that like, that's the thing with like younger teams like this. I think, I mean, the the youngest team in the NHL at 25.5, I think. Right. I mean, it's the unknown. You know what I mean? Like with, with these guys, right. These two new bottom pair, they could work fantastically together or they could, you know, it, it might not like we have no idea. We've never seen him in regular season action before. Mm-hmm. So it's all waiting game, truthfully. And then it's calling audibles and figuring it out. You know, that's yeah. that's truthfully what it's going to be. And listen, would I like to have no audibles be called and no injuries happen? Absolutely, I would. Is that realistic? No, it's not realistic at all. Like me saying two years ago that the Sabres are making a run to the cup. So we're going to stay away from that. Do I think they make a playoff push? Sure. The, no, not the not making a run to the cup. I have the power play and penalty kill lines too. If you want to go through those. Now nah, we'll just do goalies. I think I, I, we'll wait and see what the power play and penalty kill after the first couple of games. We'll probably yeah. we'll talk about them. Cause then they're but more established. They're more, here are the goalies. Yeah, we have some statistical stuff to talk about, I guess. Yeah. The goalies though, uh, obviously Levi is the undisputed number one. Mm-hmm. Cameron Lukanen are two or three. It's going to be interesting, Joe. I think on Thursday, um, we'll see which one of these two goals uh, between Kamri and Lucan and which one is scratched uh, and which one will serve as the backup. I don't know if they're going to, yeah, you know, move that around. Is Levi going to have opportunities where he's going to be have the night off? I don't know. Who's your, who's your pick right now? Like if you had to pick one, who's your pick for two? Yeah. Who's, the, who's goalie two. If, if I would have only kept two, I would have kept Eric Comrie. Okay. I'm with you on that. I think Lucan the scratch easy. I think he. I, I think I think he'll get scratched, but I don't know. Maybe it's coming. I, I we again, no, no idea. Again, we haven't seen no, 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 that. That's something that we'll know pre-season. in two days. Um, yeah, this is full on preseason, unfortunately. But so. I think, listen, I I love Levi. I think Levi might be the best young goalie in hockey if he plays well. So in Levi, we trust. I think my take has always been pretty straight on that. I think. It was a mistake to not add a significant backup piece. Yeah. Uh, a veteran backup um, that can play 35 games, 40 games. I think 
not having that stability behind a young goaltender, um, I think was a mistake. And I don't yeah, know. It could cause a pressure collapse there because it's all on him, really. You know? Yeah, I don't know what the options were. I'm not in the trade talks. I'm not in the free, who wanted to come here, who didn't want to come here in the free agents or whatever. But I think there is an opportunity to upgrade that backup position that was not. And I think that could end up haunting them. But listen, th- those talking about answer questions is Levi the guy, right? Is Levi the guy right now, I should say. Is he the guy right now? What to make of Ukapaka Lukanen? Like, is he going to be a guy that becomes more consistent or is he going to be inconsistent? Is Eric Comrie back, bounce back from an injury riddled season? And again, just a million dollar question. They did not touch the goalies. They kept the three goalies that they had at the end of last year. Obviously, they had four if uh, Anderson retiring, but they yeah, did this not is make the same a, lineup since the end of last year. It's they not did not, different. yeah, they did not make a single change with the goalies, and the goalies was one of the weaker parts of the teams last year. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like, is this a year where they may where they get just they just need average goaltending from the three of them? Mm-hmm. If they get above average goaltending from Levi and then average goaltending from Comrie Luke, and I think everyone will sign up for that. Yeah, do they yeah. get it this year? And is are we going to be talking about in April how? Oh, they didn't. Add, they they Levi actually had a really good season, but. The 30, 40 games that he didn't play that were given to Conway Lukanen were a mixed bag and is the reason why we are sitting on our couches for another season. Listen, listen. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Listen, I I sound incredibly pessimistic and negative. It doesn't, though. You're real. You're being real. Like, that's that's what it is. It is incredibly hard for me to be very optimistic because. The last time the Sabres were in the playoffs, my age was in single digits. I am now 21. Yeah. So let's put it this way. It, and, and those last couple playoff runs, they lost in the first round. And I was like, we were like five the last time they were actually. Yeah, playing. I wasn't paying attention to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? When, like, we, when we were, they were Stanley Cup contenders, we were like five. So it's been like 15 plus years. It's a little Please. hard, you know, for the bills. A lot of people want to be really down on them. It's very easy for me to be optimistic about the bills because yeah. the bills have multiple years in a row of a proven track record of being consistent and being good. Yeah. Over 10 wins a season, making it into the playoffs. Yes. That's been a, that's been a, have not. It's, it's yeah. a simple fact. The Sabres have had a very good second half two years ago, a very solid, a very exceeded expectations last year. Is going in the right direction. Right. My frustration with the team is simple. The team has rough edges on their team. Yeah. That did not need them to go out and buy an $100,000 disc sand or whatever to sand off to make it smooth. No. All they needed was like a freaking $5 piece of sandpaper and they were going to be able to fix it. Yeah. And they didn't buy the $5 thing of sandpaper. They did nothing. So I think that's my frustration with the team is that you look at Olsen being in the lineup. That's a hole. You look at Yogi Hario being in the top four. That to me is a hole. You look at kind of the, the, the unknown, the goalie, that's a hole. And those holes, I didn't, I don't believe that they were, they were just to me, in my opinion, it doesn't seem that, that, that would have been that hard for them to fix this offseason or at least make it, you know, put some glue in it or sand it off a little bit. 
But the Bills, it's like the Bills have holes. I you can see the holes on the Bills roster. But the thing with the Bills is that they surround those holes with such smooth edges that when you put right. your hands on it, you never feel the rough edges. You just feel no, you don't smooth. get a splinter at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just smooth as could be. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you. They did nothing. I mean, it's like they're cr- cr- scratching away at it with their fingernail at this point. Like, that's that's all they're doing. And mostly, I, I, think, I think in my heart of hearts, I believe it will work out because I believe in Devin Levi. I believe. You believe in miracles. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 I believe in the top half of this roster. I believe in Devin Levi, and I believe in the the veterans that are in the middle of the roster. I just don't believe in like the roster spots, the back half of the roster spot, like the last couple of roster spots. I think could have been improved on to be better. But I'm excited, man. I mean, as much as it, it's weird to say of like being real and trying. You know, I'm trying to like not get hurt again with the Sabres. So no, I'm no, to, like, lower the. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm gonna quote a movie here. I'm, I'm gonna see if you get it. Expect disappointment, and you'll never be disappointed. I know that quote. You gotta have to remind me of the movie, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Um, ah, see, I should have known that. That was yeah, you should have. You should have known that. Um, no, I, I mean, you're not expecting disappointment, but you're you're lower. You're not lowering expectations. You're setting expectations sub what the hype is a little bit. So you're not just. I would agree with that. I think down. that I think that's more like what we're doing. I think yes. There's so much hype, and it, it it seems like set a small goal first, and then exceed it, yes. and be happy, like be crazy about it. Like that's what we're doing. Because I'm not like for okay. me. For me, it's this. It's yeah. this. I would like the Sabers in the first 41 games to be at at a 100 point pace. Yeah, like if the Sabers show me in the first half that they are at a 100, 105-point pace, which is a playoff pace, first 41 games is half the season, then I'll, I'll go all in on the hype. I'll go oh, all yeah. in. Oh, but yeah. if they show me that they're at like a 90-point pace, it's like, okay, well, you got to pick it up. They've been able to do that, but it's like, I don't know. Do we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I, no, don't be in a, I don't want to be in a situation like Ottawa last year where Ottawa was so hyped up and they just fell f- like flat on their face. Yeah, completely flat. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's better to set realistic expectations and then be subverted. Like that's that's where I'm at as well. But so listen, man, I'm I'm excited that we have hockey back. Yeah, Buffalo's exciting... a hockey city first. Remember that. Yeah, we had a lot of questions. Listen, talked about the questions this year. We had a lot of questions last year, and I'll say this: last year's questions were a lot harder to answer than this year's questions. Yeah, like. Last year's questions was, oh my gosh, is Tage a one-year wonder? Is Cousins going to actually have a breakout season? Is Dalene a second-half wonder? You know what I mean? Like, there was a lot of questions. Is Skinner going to fall on his face after having a good season? Is Tuck really that guy that they got? Like, there was a lot of questions last year that had been answered very positively. There's also yeah. going to be que- – not no, all the questions we said, there's probably going to be a mix. Like, there's going to be some that, like, aren't going to hit. There's going to be some that unfortunately do we I I can tell you this you probably are going to be wishing like you said that we did get a veteran somewhere but this along is what the I'll line. Say, this is what I say to make it more positive at the end of the day. I believe that yes, those questions that we asked, some of them will be wrong, some of them will be negative. At the end of the day, we'll get a negative answer. Some of them will be positive. 
I believe at the end of the day, there will be more positive responses to those questions than negative responses to those questions. And that is why we will be at Key Bake Center for an actual playoff series come April. Mic drop. There we go. Don't actually do it. The listeners might veer off the road with that loud of a noise. But <laughs> oh, if you're viewing, you could see he muted himself. I mean, I'll. I guess I'll leave you with this. We're all Buffalo Buffalonians, Bills fans, Sabers fans. The blood, the seven one six speaks through us through our actions. The seven one six proclaims itself, and what is real. And today we are here to acknowledge what Buffalo has proclaimed. You know what that's from? It's another quote. Is it really? It's a Jedi knighting ceremony, but I switched the words around. People are because we're all Buffalonians. We're, like I mean, we are nerds, but people are going to think we're really nerdy after that one. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Unfortunately, had to show that a little bit, though. But I, I listen, I'm with you. I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a hell of a season. I cannot wait. We're gonna be in. We're gonna be at Key Bank next Tuesday for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Just, just think. When we when we pod next week, there'll be we go right from play, there to play Thursday, Thursday and Saturday. We'll have games to talk. Real, real games to talk about. It has been what six months? Six months. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Can't wait. But that's gonna do it. The podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Dom Loss. And Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby, and go Sabres. Go Bills, go Sabres.